Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Oh God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We're grateful for the gift of worship. We're grateful for music, for song, for how our hearts are lifted into your presence. We pray now that you would move in a fresh and powerful way, that your Holy Spirit would move among us, help us to hear with joy what you say to us today through this incredible story from the life of Jesus Make it new for us, O God. We pray it in the name of Jesus, and together we say, Amen. We read from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. This is the transfiguration of Jesus. Let's hear the word of God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and his brother John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings or three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Do y'all remember any spiritual mountaintop moments? Anybody had a spiritual mountaintop moment? Maybe it was church camp, 1985. Somebody know church camp, 1985? Yes, we have those mountaintop moments. Maybe it, was, maybe it was some worship service that you participated in that was just so deeply meaningful. Maybe a mission trip where the presence of God permeated everything that happened. Now, I have several of those mountaintop moments in my memory. 
when I first saw, when I first laid eyes on Shannon, my wife, I felt the presence of the Lord say to me, that's who you're going to marry. That really happened to me. It did not happen to Shannon. She did not get the same message. But, but I got that message, and it came to be true, didn't it? I got to marry her. When I had my call to ministry, I heard the voice of the Lord just as clearly as I hear you all talking. I want you to be a pastor in my church. I'll never forget that. It was so clear I couldn't even run from it. <laughs> when I got my, my license to preach, which really is a piece of paper that we get, it happened right here in this room. One of the two years that Murfreesboro hosted annual conference was the year that I got my license to preach. I just showed up for another meeting, didn't think anything about it until the bishop handed me this piece of paper and said, now go to work, go to work. No piece of paper ever had so much weight as that one. Mountaintop moments. They come and they go, but we are shaped by them. Can you imagine Peter, James, and John? All of this happens on a high mountain. Jesus says to them, now you can't tell anybody until after I am raised from the dead. Can't tell anybody. Jesus, what do you mean we can't tell anybody? You are glowing with the glory of God. Moses and Elijah were talking to you. God spoke, knocked us to the ground. What do you mean we can't tell anybody? Can't you just see Jesus smile and wink? Didn't you hear what God said? This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Listen to me, fellows. Listen to me. Don't tell anybody. Later, you can tell the whole world that I was transfigured. Now, we wonder, what is that word? In the Greek, it's metamorphose, a changing of form, a changing of form in keeping with the inner reality. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? When we imagine the inner reality of Jesus, full of radiance and the light of God, that makes a lot of sense. More properly, that word means transformed after being with. In that sense, haven't we all been transfigured, transformed after being with Jesus? The same word gets used in two other very special places. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Same word. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed, same word again, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord the Spirit. That's what you see when you look at yourself in the mirror as a follower of Jesus, transformed after being with. This encounter on the mountain certainly tells us so much about who Jesus really is, but Jesus isn't the only one transfigured that day. Peter, James, and John are transformed by being with Jesus, aren't they? You can't help but wonder how many times for the rest of their incredible lives did they play this moment back over in their minds? Did this mountaintop moment sustain them for those three days between the death of Jesus and his resurrection? Did they remember over and over again? Was James thinking of this moment 10 years later when he died by the sword, the first apostle to be martyred? 
What about Peter when he and the earliest church leaders battled it out over how to include the Gentile Christians in the life of the church? Did he hear these words? Listen to him. Listen to him when it all clicked. And he said, if then God has given those people the same gift he gave us when we believed in Jesus, who was I that I could hinder God? Was he remembering that moment? Or what about, what about John? John lived to nearly a hundred years old, gently guiding those early churches in the way of Jesus. Did he think about this moment near the end of his life when four men had to carry him to church every Sunday because he couldn't walk anymore? He always gave the same benediction. He would lift those knurled hands and say, little children, love one another. If you can't do nothing else, love one another. Did John remember this moment, transformed after being with Jesus? Transfiguration, that's what we're talking about today. I want you to hear about another mountaintop moment. It's time you heard about Ben Shaw's mountaintop moment. Ben, come on up here. Let's get our stools, and I want you to tell us your story. Ben has had something incredible happen to him. Ben, uh, you've been our director of modern worship for about 37 years. Is that? No. How long? How long? Uh, Ten years. Ten years. You've been here for 10 years. But this thing that happened to you happened on Ash Wednesday two years ago. One year. One year ago. One year ago. exactly a year ago. It'll be a year Tuesday, right? We've got Ash Wednesday services Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night, Tuesday. I'll I'll be here Wednesday if you come Tuesday. I'll be by myself on it. Okay. (laughs) Well, tell us what happened a year ago at Ash Wednesday service. Well, um, so... Interestingly, I, uh, that was actually the first Ash Wednesday service that I had ever helped plan. Um, for the longest time, that was typically just a traditional service. And uh, in, in the effort of trying to build a little bit of unity between the, the services and, and, and our church, we decided to make those services combined services. And uh, so I was sitting right over there on the back row of the choir loft, and Sally uh, got up to preach. And... I told her this after the fact that I apologize because I have no idea what you said because as soon as she started talking, um, there's no other way to describe it, but I just felt a presence with me. I was looking up at that window right up there and uh, the entire message, I had a conversation um, in my head. Uh, I didn't speak out loud. That would have been distracting. Yeah, um, thank you for that. <laughs> but it was uh, the, the, not words but emotions and feelings uh, in this conversation, and it just kept pointing to this phrase, you need to know more. And I was like, I need to know more what? You know, I, I didn't really understand exactly what it meant. Um, I, you can ask my wife, uh, Laura, I am a very impulsive person, so I actually told myself that whatever this is, I don't know what it is exactly, but I'm gonna give it some time. So I waited all the way through Lent, the feelings were still there, the, the phrase was still with me, you need to know more. Um, and so I met with a couple people and then ended up talking with Drew and, and after some, some time of discernment, I realized that I was feeling a calling into uh, ministry even further than uh, leading worship, but uh, to help people who have uh, come from a similar background as me, um, who've been through a similar experience that I have and uh, so backing up just a little bit to uh, the global pandemic, I'm, you guys might be uh, familiar with that. It happened uh, a couple of years ago and it's still going on. Um, I was at home 
working about 80 hours a week putting together online worship services uh, for, for the church and experienced a series of uh, events that led to uh, no other word for it but uh, deconstruction. So it's kind of, a, kind of a loaded word now, but it is an experience. It's been around for a long time. And I began to question lots of things. Like, I did, for a time, I didn't even know if God existed. And I was... Now, this happened before... This was... Your call. Before, yes. This happened okay. two years ago. Two, two years two and ago. and a half years ago. Okay. And <clears throat> so, uh, since that time, I, you know, I have obviously kind of reconstructed my faith. But the faith that I grew up with um, wasn't really tenable for me anymore. And uh, so, now I've had to kind of figure out what that looks like and what my relationship with God looks like. And, uh, and so, in the process of all of this, I have realized that there are probably tons and tons of people out here who grew up in the faith tradition similar as me who may not understand that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to wrestle with your faith. It's okay to, to go on this journey of faith. And I don't really feel like I have um, the knowledge to be able to help people in a way that, that I'm feeling called to, which is why <laughs> that phrase, you need to know more, kept coming up. And so um, after... Uh, going through all this, we discerned a, a calling into the ministry, and uh, I will be starting seminary hopefully this fall. This fall, and you're, he's already in the process for ordained ministry. Yes. It, well, I think we can clap. I think that's most appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he has started the process. Had a, a thing called orientation to ministry last Saturday, I believe. It's it a, a day long experience to kind of get him ready. Uh, in some faith traditions or denominations, you know, you, you can have a call to ministry on Saturday and be ordained on Sunday and have a church on Monday. The Methodists are not like that. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a much more rigorous process, lots of education, training. Uh, the Grand Inquisition happens to make sure that you are well qualified and trained, that you are actually called by God. It starts right here in the local church. And so Ben's already met with our staff parish. We're the people who know him best. And we were able to affirm his call to ministry. And at Charge Conference, we affirmed that call and uh, sent him forward to the district. And then he'll go from the district to the conference. And he'll have years of this. Uh, it's, it is a long, long process. It but it's important. Yeah. I, I want to go back to this question of, of deconstruction as we think about our faith. It's, it is a kind of a loaded word today. So I want to unload that word. If you'll take all... Uh, political and denominational affiliations with that word and throw them out. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the ability to ask tough questions of our faith. And so we often do this at different times in our lives. We might have tragic experiences or significant experiences. and We kind of have to rethink everything. You know, we've got to figure, how does all this stuff fit? When you have come out of a faith background that does not allow for questions, that is a very hard place to be. And you, you came out of a faith background that didn't allow for questions. I did not. I came out of a faith background where questioning was welcomed. And so I kind of had my own experience, but it happened in the, in the context of a church like this, a very loving, welcoming place where you could bring whatever question you had and the preacher would sit with you for hours while you tried to figure out what in the world was going on in your mind. That was not your experience. No. So it kind of had to be broken down. Yeah. Yeah, I... I I kind of needed permission to, to be able to answer or ask those questions and, yeah. and, and deal with, um, 
you know, the, the, the fact that the Bible is, uh, it's a tool, but there's also experience. The, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, yeah. I think, is, it, it, you've mentioned it, I think Chip mentioned it even yeah. a couple of weeks ago during his sermon, that the, this idea of tradition and reason and scripture and, and experience. Take, taking all of these different experiences and using that to, uh, to use the Bible to, to, to guide us and to... Uh, yeah into this overarching theme which I think flows through the whole Bible and that is love, that, that God is love and, yeah. and we're called to, to be that love. I think what Ben has experienced is a journey that many people in our community are also experiencing right now. I am meeting them every week uh, and folks are coming to our church every week who are looking for a place where they can ask tough questions and find their way in and through Jesus to a deeper faith, not sort of a bumper sticker faith. There's a, there's a difference between a bumper sticker faith and a deep, rich expression of the Christian faith. Uh, they're finding that here, but I think God is raising up people like yourself who can walk alongside folks. I, I have to confess to y'all because of how I grew up, when people come to me and say, I haven't been able to ask these questions, I just can't even understand that. I don't even have a frame of reference for, what do you mean you can't ask these questions? It's, just go see the preacher. and I, Oh, I'm the preacher. Okay, come see me and ask the question. It's fine. There's no judgment here to ask those kinds of questions. Not every community of faith is like that. And there are lots of reasons. I don't want to condemn or criticize. We're just all different. And folks who need a place where they can uh, unpack and understand and dig deeply into the Christian faith, you know, questions are part of that journey. It's, it's crucial. Now, Ben, let me watch our time. Ben's looking at me like, you better watch our time. You're dragging this out. No. He does that every Sunday, but now you're up here, Ben. So It's my fault this time. We're going to blame this one on you when we go along. Uh, ben, as you deal with a call to ministry, what are some fears and anxieties that kind of emerge out of accepting God's call on your life? Sure. I think the, the, the first one and the greatest one is, uh, are you sure about that, God? Uh -huh. <laughs> are you sure you want me to do this? Me who has been through many, many things and done many things that are definitely not worthy of being a minister yeah. and helping people. Kind of the am I good enough? Yeah, the, that, uh, that I, I don't think, am I good enough? You know, yeah. uh, that's definitely a fear um, because I certainly don't feel like that all the time. Yeah. What has this meant for your, Ben's family's over here minus Ellie and Charlie, Charlie. he's gone to children's church. He's gone to children's church. Yeah, You're okay. welcome. <laughs> he's great. Uh, what, is it, what does it mean for your family? I mean, how are y'all processing True. seminary? Um, there's cost there. There's time there. Yeah, well, just the practical side of it as well. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, we have five people that live in our house and every person has their own schedule and Laura buys this calendar that hangs on the wall that's got five columns and each day and you fill it out and it looks like a giant puzzle that comes together. I'm sure lots of y'all have something similar to that. And uh, so we're, we, we've already got crazy schedules and just the practical side of trying to figure out how to make it work for our family um, to, to make sure that I can still be present with them yeah. in, in all of this. And uh, so <clears throat> we're just trying to make sure that in any decisions that we make as far as just education and the time of all of this that we can we can still honor uh you know right. the importance of our family which is central to our lives yeah do you think you could walk away from this call uh, 
no. No. No, I don't think so. Okay. I, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of tugging, that nagging feeling that you get. I don't know why it's back in my head, but that's just kind of where <laughs> it is. Where it happens, it's, right it's, there. Always, it's always there. It's, um, and I just keep seeing confirmation over and over again of, of uh, this calling, just with interactions that I've had with complete strangers, with people that I've known for 10 years. Yeah. And um, I just keep seeing this, this confirmation that this is definitely, you know, that, that call. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've, you've learned a lot. Ben has helped me. I've, I have some friends who have a friend who is struggling with this very same thing. And I, when I first heard about it, I called Ben and said, hey, Ben, we need some help helping this fella navigate what is a deconstruction process right away. You, you had it because you have learned a lot already. And uh, you'll learn a lot more as you, I'm as you go. I'm looking forward to it. Stay up here with me. I, w- okay. I want to say just a little bit more about Matthew 17. Let me get my notes. Now, we, we hear from this text every single year, and it really is just as important as Christmas and Easter. We may not think about it like that, but it is. Uh, this year, as I studied it all over again, the, the, one of the last things that happened on that mountain really jumped out at me like it never had before. Uh, God has been with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. Peter, James, and John are on the ground, crippled with fear. Do you remember hearing that? We just read that from Matthew 17. Jesus walks over to them. What does Jesus do? He touches them, and he says, get up, get up, and do not be afraid, right? That's what he says. Get up is the same phrase there that Jesus uses to raise the dead. Lazarus, the little girl, Jairus' daughter. He says this word, the same word, to the paralyzed man whom he heals, uh, the leper whom he heals, the disciples whom he calls. He even uses this word to describe his own raising from the dead. Get up, get up, get up. Do not be afraid. I think many of us have known transfiguration Maybe not with all the glowing radiance and the cameo appearance of Moses and Elijah, but transformed after being with Jesus, maybe at an Ash Wednesday service. Yes, we, we know this. We know this feeling. Perhaps I'm not the only one who has also known the crippling fear that can come with these sacred moments. The fear that comes with some call to a new way of living, Maybe a new vocation, a call to change, to grow, to reprioritize, to to do different for the sake of our children and our own selves. How many times have we been there, face down in the dirt of life, caught between the tension of the sacred moment and the tough realities of life, which laugh at our best intentions? We're afraid to get up, lest we trade the sacred moment for the same old, same old. No wonder we get afraid in those moments. I hope that each of you will experience Jesus this week, touching you ever so gently on the shoulder, whispering in your ear, hear his voice, get up, do not be afraid. There is important work for you to do as you answer his call. We are not the only ones with a call. Every follower of Christ 
is given a call to ministry through the waters of baptism. Let's find ours together and be about that work. Get up and do not be afraid. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God. Amen.